0: Good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. How are you today? Uh, This week is a fantastic week. Yeah. We had our first communion, one of our first communion masses um, on Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. and it was beautiful uh, to see all the kids kind of dressed up and the parents dressed up and to receive communion for the first time with such reverence. It was very moving to see, uh, see them all like that. Um, and after that, I went to a number of different little receptions just to kind of poke my head in and tell the kids, congratulations to the parents, you know, congratulations too. Cause it's a big moment for them too. Sure. Uh, and then after that, I had afternoon confessions in mass. Then after that, I had a gala for John Paul, the great Academy, just a fundraiser, uh, for school, uh, local Dr. Roberts. Doc- yeah. Dr. Kevin Roberts was the speaker. And he was the founder of John Paul the Great. See, I was conflicted
1: between Kevin and Ken, and I knew it wasn't Ken, and I was pretty sure it was Kevin. Yeah. W-
0: which is why I went with Dr. Roberts. Yep. And so he is- Works for the Heritage Foundation. Well, right? he doesn't work for it. They work for him. He's, okay. the, he's the president of it. It's, that's a huge thing. He w- was the founder of John Paul the Great Academy in 2014, yeah. something like that. <laughs> and he then went on to go teach at Wyoming Catholic um, and then become involved in politics in Texas. And then now is the president of the Heritage Foundation, which is the largest conservative think tank in America. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kevin Roberts is extraordinarily faithful and very knowledgeable. And so it was, it's always good to talk with him. Um, a number of people around here know him personally, because, you know, he's from here. Sure. Grew up here. Uh, His mom, (laughs) I talk to his mom pretty often, you know, she comes to my masses. And yeah, he's just an awesome guy. And I was really edified by his speech because he is known to be a fantastic speaker. Actually, probably one of two of the most charismatic speakers I've I've ever listened to in person. I say charismatic, not in the sense that like he's a rah-rah or anything like that, but people can easily get behind him because of how knowledgeable he is and how well rehearsed he is. Mm. And I don't mean rehearsed in a negative sense. I mean it, like whenever he, every time I've heard him speak publicly, I have never heard him mistake a word or use a filler word. Mm. And that is, as someone who speaks often, that's very noticeable. That's great, yeah, because I used to speak all the time and I get tongue-tied on words. Little ones, not even big ones. Yep. Or we use filler. I use filler words all the time during my podcast because I'm kind of thinking of things. He doesn't use like slang words. He's he's very, his vocabulary is incredible. And as someone who works on public speaking every day, right, in my homilies, uh, researching for them, I very much appreciate when I see someone, or I'm able to listen to someone who obviously does the same thing, mm-hmm. with much more, which, with much more years underneath his belt and experience, that so, was not a shot at your age, Doctor Robert. Yeah, I promise you, he's not listening. <laughs> no, maybe <laughs> he is. Maybe he's one of our uh, three and a half listeners, or three listeners. Maybe so. We're growing. I think we're now at four. So. We might be up to five. Yeah, he gave a talk on just Catholic schools in general, uh, its place in history and moving forward in our nation, what needs to happen in regards to education. And it was just a fantastic speech. So I went there at Sundays, Sunday Masses. We went into, our listeners should know, we went into, at least for me, Indelible Marks of the Soul and the Sacrament of Baptism. We talked a little bit about indelible
1: marks last week when we talked about holy orders. Um, so there are three sacraments that
0: leave an indelible mark on your soul. Yes. What are they? They are baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. Okay. And what is an indelible mark? An indelible mark means it cannot be removed. Uh, it's a. So it's like with a sharpie. It uh, kind of except the sharpie is <laughs> on your soul and you can't get it off. It's on a piece of paper. And so the, the indelible mark, the seal, this character uh, on the soul can never be removed. What, it is that, what, what does that mean? Why is that important? I say it, I went to my homily as an example, uh, and then it kind of segued perfectly into our sacrament for the day, baptism, because what's growing in popularity right now is this idea of re-baptism or this idea of revoking your baptism because you are no longer a Christian. This is very popular, okay? They're both extremes and both of them are wrong. The idea of rebaptism comes from like, okay, I now personally accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, so I'm gonna be Mm rebaptized. Well, as Catholics, uh, since the beginning of Christianity, this has been preached against. Right. St. Augustine went into it explicitly whenever he talked about what we will talk about next week in a future episode, uh, Ex Operi Operanto. That was last week. Yes. Last week was a future episode. This week is this episode. Uh, Okay, sure. We'll go with that. uh, St. Augustine went into heavy in regards to Ex Operi Operanto versus Operantis. That like if someone is even a heretic and he, that heretic baptizes someone, with the right formula, the right matter, water, and I baptize you in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. With the right intention, to claim a soul for Christ, that person is baptized, no matter the disposition of the individual. Interesting.
1: Uh, of the one baptizing. Well, so we're in the middle of the initiation season. I like to call it. Right. We started at the vigil mass where we birthed a bunch of new Catholics, and mm-hmm. then we had confirmation. And then we have First Communion, right? So we're initiating all these people, right? I find it interesting what you're bringing up because uh, the, the Catholics that were brought into the church, many of them out of 10, seven of them were already baptized, not in a Catholic faith, right? And a baptism that we acknowledge, right? What is a baptism that we acknowledge? What would have to happen?
0: A baptism that we would acknowledge as Catholics is someone who is baptized in water, running water, it says, um, with the right formula, so it has to be right matter, right form. The form is the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, with the right intention. And the intention, of course, is to claim the soul for Christ, that Sure, they become a Christian. And with that,
1: they are baptized. So every sacrament, I don't know if we've talked about this and I don't know if you've covered it yet, but every sacrament has a form and a matter. Yes. Right? And, and you just mentioned the form and the matter for baptism, the form being the words in the rite that we do and the, the things maybe that we do sometimes in that rite and the matter being the, the matter, right? The, the, for baptism, mm-hmm. it's water. Um, and so seven of the candidates... Who came into the, who were, seven of the people who were received into the church were baptized with water in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we acknowledged their baptism. We did not require that they get rebaptized. Yes. They just made a profession of faith, mm-hmm. acknowledging that they believe in what the church teaches and professes to be true.
0: And this idea of rebaptism, of now I personally choose. Jesus Christ, that sacrament, well, that happens in other sacraments, Mm. especially confirmation. So confirmation, the person has it doesn't have to be, but it's typically the age of reason and they have to choose at that point whether they want to be confirmed or not. That is not a decision your parents make. The individual who is of the age of reason chooses confirmation. Now, Don't mistake
1: that, what Father's saying to, like, if you're a confirmation age, if you're of confirmation age, confirmation isn't choosing to be Catholic or not. Your baptism did that. Yes. Right. Um, And I would go further to say, look, I believe that it's important that we personally choose to follow Jesus. Every single day. Every single day. And I think it's beautiful, and I talked to the RCIA candidates about this, like, Every year at Easter, the church gives us the opportunity to renew our baptismal promises, right? With the sprinkling rite that we do. And I think more and more Catholics should be cognitively aware of what they're doing and saying. And it's an opportunity for us to recommit to the grace and to become more aware of the grace that we received at baptism because the grace at baptism is enough for all of salvation.
0: Yes. It is like the acorn going into the oak tree, what I said in my homily. Yeah, the rest of our life is unpacking the graces of the sacrament of baptism. So the indelible mark, I remember reading commentaries from the church fathers, those Christians that lived for the first 500, 600 years, um, on their commentary on Christ, his parable, in regards to whenever someone brought him a coin and says, do we, do we pay taxes? And he says, give me that, that coin. And he, says, and he says, whose face is on this? It says, Caesar's. And he says, give to Caesar's what is to Caesar's and to God to what is God's. What Christ was referring to in that moment, according to the church fathers, was your soul. That this coin has the mark of Caesar on it, so give it to him. But your soul, which has been claimed by me in baptism, has a mark on it, like this coin, an indelible mark on the soul. So give me you. They can keep the money. Mm. So that this indelible mark seal character can never be removed. Whether someone decides to try to rebaptize, which is just kind of a made-up thing, right? There's no grounding for this in any theology or especially saint in history. People just make stuff up all the time and and then also in regards to re- like the news i mean what yeah it's true it's true they they um, well um <laughs> or the denial of someone's baptism right so these people they may uh fall out of line with catholic morality or christian morality very typically and they'll say well i'm no longer catholic i, I revoke it right i'm Never, not that anymore. No, you, you are, you know, cause that's an indelible mark on your soul that can never be removed, even if you want it to. And we talked about that last week when
1: we talked about holy orders, right? Even if a priest goes through the process of becoming a layperson again, they still have the mark on their soul, right? And still have the obligation. We said last week, to hear a confession in a dire need. Yes.
0: So. No, that's a beautiful example. The, um... I remember being, like, reading something, I don't remember from who, but it is true that, like, in heaven, you will be able to see who was a priest or not because it's an indelible mark on the soul. Or who was so confirmed. Is it like a Is it like a
1: collar on your soul?
0: I don't know. That's a good <laughs> question. Or, like, I mean, confirmation gives an indelible mark, so is it like a little fireball on your Absolutely. soul? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and— I like it. On the flip side of that, in hell, you will be able to see Mm. who the priests are, who was confirmed, who was baptized, right? Because even in hell, those marks cannot be removed. So that's the indelible mark on the soul. That's why some sacraments are able to be repeated and others not. The sacraments that cannot be repeated give an indelible mark on the soul that can never be removed. And so you don't repeat it other sacraments such as Eucharist, uh, confession, anointing of the sick, and marriage can be repeated because they do not give an indelible mark on the soul. That does not mean these sacraments are less than, right? So for instance, marriage. The only way marriage can be repeated is if your spouse dies. It's till death do us part. Now, in my homily, I brought up very briefly, the idea of an annulment, which is not a Catholic divorce. Correct. It's
1: the church declaring that the marriage never took place. Yes. Because in the right, what God has joined, no man can undo, right? And so the only way that a marriage could be dissolved without death, if the marriage validly took place, is if God himself were to undo it. The church can't undo what God has done. The church can investigate and discover in that investigation that maybe the marriage
0: never took place. And I brought it up in my homily. Like we could talk about that in a future episode. That's, and that was the thing. I brought it up in my homily at, at just very briefly because I didn't want people in the pews who have annulments or who have been working on annulments or who are thinking about getting an annulment uh, or going through that process like to be discouraged from that from what I said about your spouse has to die. I just wanted to clarify that an annulment just says that a marriage never happened. I did not go into the distinctions or how annulment takes place or what's needed for an annulment to be granted. Um, I, I kind of pointed at a can of worms, but I didn't open it because that's not what the the homily was going to be focused on. It was on repeatable versus non-repeatable sacraments and baptism. But I didn't want to leave people out to dry. And so our listeners, if someone is, you know, brings up to you, um, you know, Father Poirier said marriage can only be happen again if your spouse dies, that is true. But the annulment process is a real thing. And the annulment is not a Catholic divorce, version of divorce. If you're a listener who
1: um, is thinking about the annulment process, you know, because you have that particular need in your life, um, please reach out. We would love to sit down. Father would love to sit down and chat with you and, um, uh, and, and connect you to the people that could help you through that process.
0: The people that work on annulments here at St. Pius is myself and Deacon Phil Lazat. We are the two that handle annulments here at St. Pius. Um, very sensitive information and a sensitive time in people's life, but we're, uh, it is, I wouldn't rather it be anyone else walking with people in their sensitive, in their kind of trying times than, uh, than us. So I agree with that. So indelible marks. indelible marks, repeatable versus non-repeatable uh, sacraments. Um, that was just like I've said before. Sacraments in general, and then the particular sacrament. That's how I'm going to approach this homily series. And so that was actually a perfect segue into baptism, Mm -hmm. which gives an indelible mark on the soul and cannot be repeated. The sacrament of baptism in sacred scripture, that is a beast. Because it begins in the Old Testament and it's kind of riddled throughout, especially in the New Testament, right? Uh, we've maybe we've talked about before uh, the sacrament of baptism in regards to the Exodus event, right? The Exodus event is kind of seen in the Old Testament as a microcosm of the economy of salvation, which is all of human history, right? So, for instance, the slavery of to Pharaoh, okay, that is humanity's slavery to sin and Satan. Well, we escape and go through the Red Sea. The Red Sea opens up for the, uh, the Israelites to pass through and then crushes Pharaoh and his army, the Egyptian army. That is a type, a symbol of baptism where we escape slavery to sin into the promised land where it crushes our sin. So, That is a real type of baptism. Or even the flooding of the earth with Noah's Ark, when it happens before. Noah's Ark represents the church. The flooding of the earth, well, God flooded the earth uh, because of sinfulness. And so God destroys the sin of the world uh, and those that are faithful to God on the ark. That's a type of baptism. Baptism, the bullseye of baptism is that it destroys original sin And if you're older, any actual sin committed. And it makes us a child of God. Mm -hmm. It opens up the life of grace and makes salvation possible. Baptism is the sacrament necessary for salvation. It's the gateway
1: sacrament, right?
0: Yes. None of
1: the other sacraments are possible. Without that one. Without that one. In fact, you were talking about marriage. If one person's not baptized in the marriage, it's not a marriage.
0: It's not a sacrament, correct? Both people would have to be baptized. That's a very good question. I know it can. I know the church, the church absolutely recognizes it as a marriage, and, it can, and a Catholic can't get married without it being a sacrament, I believe. That's a canon law question. That's a very good question. Uh, you you're For me brush a future up on, episode. You're making me brush up on it. Well, we have
1: marriage coming up. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We can find out about that and answer that question. I'm pretty sure I'm right.
0: Well, I don't know the nuances, Okay, I'm, I think it's a marriage, but I don't know if it's a sacrament. Oh, it's 100% a marriage, right? People that are not baptized can get married to someone who is a Catholic, baptized, practicing, and I believe be a sacrament. I believe. Um, because a Catholic cannot get married unless it's a sacrament. So who's right, the Poirier or John Ray? Well, we'll put a little voting booth, huh? Let's <laughs> we'll see what people go to. I'll put a poll on it. I say it's a sacrament. John, John Ray says it's not. We'll see in a future episode. Uh, So,
1: nonetheless, baptism is the gateway to make all the other sacraments possible. We mm -hmm. can't receive the graces individually, for sure, 100%, without having been
0: baptized. Yes. The baptism is the sacrament of salvation. There are other sacraments necessary for salvation contingent, though. For instance, confession. Confession is a sacrament that is necessary for salvation if, you, if someone has committed a mortal sin. Mm-hmm. The council declared that uh, dogmatically, that if someone dies in a state of mortal sin, unrepentant, then they will, they will go to hell. Confession is necessary in that regard. But in regards to baptism, baptism is necessary for salvation. Now, there's some caveats to that, nuances. That I went into. Should I, I jump ahead? We're still talking about baptism in scripture. Uh, I'm just following your lead. Let me. You're in charge. Uh, it's your world. I'm just living in it. Let me first, because I like to deal with uh, it in order. So let's finish with the sacrament through sacred scripture, and then I'll go into the nuances that I also went into into my homily, but a little bit more in depth with. The sacrament in sacred scripture, kind of going through Noah's Ark, going through the Exodus event, which is a microcosm, water was seen as something that created and destroyed. In the New Testament, God uses uh, water for his own baptism in the River Jordan. John the Baptist baptizes God, Jesus Christ. Now that was to make the waters of the earth holy. Right? It wasn't for the salvation of Jesus Christ. No, we don't, we don't hold that. Even the baptism of John uh, is different. But Jesus did that. One, to fulfill the waters of the Old Testament, but then also to make the waters of the New Testament holy uh, in the River Jordan. And I use St. Paul as an example in his letter to Corinth, the church in Corinth, or the Corinthians. Um, Paul converts Stephanus and baptizes his entire household. That's why, as Catholics, we baptize infants. A lot of Christian denominations do not, which is unique since the 16th century, because before, in every single age, people were baptized as infants. The first century Christians, the second century Christians, we have documentations explaining how to baptize the infants. And so it was attested to in sacred scripture and writings at the same time as the Bible from faithful Christians, like the Didache. But like we've brought up before, the Didache is the writing of the Twelve Apostles uh, that was not put into uh, sacred scripture. It talks about baptizing infants. That, so the idea of waiting to be baptized until you personally choose Jesus Christ is nonsense. Uh, You baptize, baptize the infants, baptize your babies. That's why we baptize as children. So, that's in sacred scripture. The practice for today. Baptism is necessary for salvation because Jesus commands, go and baptize all nations and do that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. Baptism is a sacrament that opens up the life of grace. Baptism is makes us children of God. It puts an indelible mark on the soul, so that when God the Father looks at us, he sees in us his Son. And recognizing his Son, he lifts us up into heaven. Now, the, the caveats to baptism necessary for salvation. The first, baptism by blood. There are martyrs today, people that die for the faith, and people that are go through what we would call like the RCIA program or, you know, whatever. They're going to be baptized, but let's say they are killed beforehand. We would say they are baptized by blood. Uh, they are martyrs for the faith, and they would have been baptized, but they were killed beforehand. Their reward is great in heaven. Secondly, baptism by desire. Let's say a couple, mom and dad, lose a child to a death. A miscarriage a stillborn. A terrible case. We would say that that baby was baptized by desire. The mom and dad would, of course, had the baby baptized, but due to natural causes, unforeseen, the, the child died. A terrible case. Well, God absolutely imprinted a soul in that baby, and through baptism by desire, that baby is saved, and the reward is great in heaven. Uh, Another caveat that I did not go into is people that are ignorant of the faith through no fault of their own, but live a virtuous life. Uh, So that question was brought up, especially when America was discovered, and Indians were here, and people said, for over a thousand years, these people have been here and never known Jesus Christ? What does that mean? There, there was no one there to tell them about Jesus Christ. And so how did they, how did they get evangelized? Well, the, to go into it the way that the church viewed it was that if they lived a virtuous life, then okay. Um, so I think it's
1: important to understand that the sacraments are given to us by God as a pathway to heaven, right? and in the example you're talking about where through no fault of their own, they never had the opportunity to receive these sacraments. Well, God made the rules and God is a loving God. Right. And so he would, then the church says, give them the opportunity to choose him. Yes. That's important to know too, that just because they didn't ever know him, right. When they stand in their particular judgment, he's going to give them the choice to follow to.
0: He's going to give them the choice, right? He's not going to force himself on them. And, and people can freely choose yep. to deny God or to accept him. Now, the sacraments are the channels of divine grace. Uh, God works through the sacraments, but is not bound by the sacraments. That's the terms that I was looking for. And that is a key thing. God works through the sacraments de facto. We know this. This is the way that God has chosen. But God is not bound by the sacraments. We should not pl- expect that, though. If God has chosen this way, then we use that way. But to say, well, I'll just do what I want and God, will do, and God will work outside the sacraments anyway. Nope, that's not how that works at all. That would be like me climbing to the top of the Eiffel Tower and then walking off. No, I should, and, and then just expect that I'll float. No, God created gravity, and I should expect that gravity is still there. God can work outside of gravity. We have saints that levitate, but I shouldn't expect that.
1: No matter how much you choose to believe that gravity doesn't exist, when you jump off the Eiffel Tower, you find out that sometimes it's not about what you believe.
0: Yes. And as someone who wants to follow God, wants to follow Jesus Christ, the question is, we would have to answer is if God chose this way and he wanted this way and this is the way, well, then why would someone try to go about it another way? Uh, Pride. Pride, pride, pride. Or, I mean, look,
1: ignorance as well, right? So if you were born in another Christian denomination and all you know is that, right? Well, then you've never been taught about the sacramental economy, right? And so... God's not going to hold that against you because you can't be culpable to a thing that you've never understood or come
0: to know. The church has uh, no authority to say that someone is in hell. The church doesn't have that authority. The church
1: doesn't say that Judas is in hell. I think it's important to know that.
0: Yes. Now our theology is based pretty much that Judas is in hell, right? Uh, And, and, Every revelation of hell says that there is people, there are people in hell, right? Especially Our Lady of Fatima was the most recent one, right? Uh, Where they showed that the kids of Fatima, hell, and there was people there. So that's a thing, right? But we don't have the authority to say which people or how many people. Uh, pope Benedict the Sixteenth, writing as a theologian, not as a pope, um, stated that we can have prayerful hope that most people are saved in history so that's a thing and he was an incredible theologian but the church does not have the authority to say that someone is in hell the church has the authority to declare that someone is in heaven though yeah we name them saints yep so that in regards to like okay look this happened and that happened are they in hell who knows well that's not that's not our role and it it shouldn't be something that we
1: worry about either. Right. We pray for the soul, um, especially if there's maybe a concern, you know, but that's between them and God,
0: just like my salvation is between me and God. Mm-hmm. Now the body of Christ, we all pray for you when you die, yep. uh, because we are the body of Christ by right? united in reality, uh, through our baptism. So in our baptism, we're given an indelible mark on the soul that makes us children of God, that opens up the life of grace and salvation for us, uh, makes salvation possible. This is where we are made adopted sons and daughters of God in the waters of baptism that frees us from the slavery of sin. Mm. Praise be to Jesus. That was a great episode. Yep. Episode and,
1: 63 in the books.
0: Non repeatable. Versus repeatable sacraments and the sacrament of baptism.
1: So if you've enjoyed this episode, we want to encourage you to share it with your friends. Be sure to like us and follow us on your podcast, listener, or choice. We look forward to seeing y'all this weekend. God bless.